This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within. And I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello there, and welcome in to this episode of Career Competitor, where I have the pleasure of welcoming in Maria Parker. And Maria is going to get the introduction that she certainly deserves here in just a moment. But just three things to look out for within our discussion today. Firstly, we're going to dive into the topic of identity in how there are different things required of us at different times, depending on what life is throwing at us. Secondly, we're going to talk about Maria's ability to persist through difficulty, understanding that it is, in fact, something we do strategically. In other words, knowing when to persist. And finally, we're going to dive into her new book, Do Tough, and how it was her physical and emotional response to a phase of grief in her life unlike any other and how we all have the opportunity to respond in whatever way we need to in order to handle the adversities life can throw at us. Now, one other thing I have to mention as well before I introduce Maria is that she is a fellow podcaster. In fact, she co-hosts a podcast with a former guest of mine, Kelly Palace, and we didn't get to it, really. We didn't discuss it at all within the interview, so I'm giving the ladies a shout-out, Champions Mojo. Go check it out right here at the front end of the episode, but don't go check out any of their stuff until you've given this episode a good listen first. So we have the multifaceted Maria Parker coming up here today. But before we get started, let me remind you to take the time to be subscribing to the show, to also facilitate in the growth of the show. That's right. I cannot do it alone. I need your help. If you enjoy what you're hearing, tell someone. Don't hold it to yourself. Don't leave Career Competitor as your best kept secret. Share the knowledge. Share the insights Share the impact that you're taking from these episodes. And if you enjoy anything and you feel the need to share it on a public platform, don't forget to tag me at Career Competitor. And be sure to give me a look on LinkedIn too. Just search for my name, Steve Meller, and you can tag me, you can message me, you can reach out to me, and you can do that as well through obviously the website, careercompetitor.com or via the email steve at careercompetitor.com. So many ways to get in touch, so many ways to be sharing the show. But for now, we're going to dive right into our episode for today. Okay, our career competitor today is the CEO at Cruise Bike, a company that produces recumbent bikes, allowing people to experience the joy and freedom of cycling without the discomfort associated with traditional bicycles. Furthermore, not only does our guest run this company, but she is an ultra-endurance cyclist enthusiast, and it just so happens her bikes are the ideal bike for 3,000-mile journeys that she has been known to go on. 
Arguably even more impressive is the incredible work our guest does as the volunteer executive director at 3,000 Miles to a Cure, a not-for-profit organization founded 10 years ago whose mission is to end brain cancer by raising the necessary funds for research. And as we speak today, yesterday, our guest released her first book titled Do Tough, which, having read the book already myself, is her gorgeous account of how the heartbreak of losing her sister to brain cancer sparked her mission to participate in Race Across America back in 2013, a book that captures the parallels of toughness associated both with life and physical challenges. She is a devoted mother and grandmother. She is a former client of mine, which we may touch on a little bit here today, and I'm proud to hold her as someone I consider to be a friend as well. Please welcome to Korea Competitor, the magnificent Maria Park. Maria, how are you? <laughs> magnificent is a turret. There you go, <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> oh, thanks, Steve. That was beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely. You you needed an introduction that you deserved, and I was glad to give it. And I think people are going to be able to tell very quickly within this discussion that this is not the first time that we've spoke. And and as I alluded to there in the introduction too, you were a client of mine. Uh, you were a client of mine very early on within my business. It's one thing that I always have uh, such appreciation for. And but at the same time, you have so much to bring to the show. You have so much about your career. I happen to know you are a, a, a true competitor in all phases of life, and I'm excited to dive into that. And of course, we're going to dive into the book uh, today a little bit. But one thing I always like people to just simply know is tell us a little bit about who you are in terms of just the typical day in the life of Maria Parker at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, who I am has changed a lot over the years, and uh, I think that's one thing that I I didn't really realize as a young person that... I would have this expanse of time to be different things at different times. Right now, um, as I'll tell anybody who will listen, you know, one of my most important jobs is to be a grandmother. <laughs> I have eight grandchildren and um and I and I just uh I love them and I love being around them. I get to live near six of them. And actually all eight are are close by these days for a short time. So anyway, that's that's really great. And um, you know, of course I'm a wife. I, 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 I love my husband of 38 years, Jim. Um, and then the other things, um, have been just such a delight. A CEO of cruise bike has been, you know, such an incredible thing. I remember, uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is identity and like, how do you take on an identity? And one of the things you do is you say what you are. So I was, mm -hmm. you know, I, I say I'm a writer. <laughs> Which is right. funny because, I mean, the first few times I said it, it's like, am I a writer? Yeah, I guess I'm a writer. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. And the same thing with being an athlete. Ke Kelly taught me, my, my sister-in-law, who is our mutual friend, yeah. and also the co-host of the podcast that I do called Champions Mojo. She taught me to call myself an athlete because as I was, you know, I tell people I'm an adult onset athlete because I didn't do athletics as a, as a young person. And, um, and I, you know, for a long time I was doing running and and cycling and doing things. And, and, uh, Kelly, I forget, I, 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 we were talking about being an athlete. I said, well, I'm not really an athlete. And she said, you know, she can just describe my day and how I work out and how I compete. She said, Maria, I think you're an athlete. I started thinking of myself as an athlete, calling myself an athlete, even giggling a little bit. I'm an athlete. <laughs> like I'm a writer, <laughs> but, but that changes, uh, that does change your perception of yourself. And when you, when you call yourself an athlete, that means you do get up and work out and you do watch your diet and you do, um, you know, and, and, and you, you know, you try to be the best you can be. And if you're a writer, you write, 
you, you know, you, you express yourself in the written word. And if you're a grandmother, you're grandmother. <laughs> so, um, the day in the life that didn't really answer the question. I, I, right now I'm, um, away from home be, uh, doing my, my identity as a wife. I'm, I'm following Jim, who's doing a, a six week sort of stint working away from home. And so I'm just with him to support him. And of course, a hotel room provides a great place to write and do the other things. I can manage the company, the cruise bike company from here. So, yeah. so I get up, I work out. I usually do cruise bike stuff uh, in the morning. Um, and then I do 3,000 miles to a cure stuff in the afternoon and, and, uh, and, and grandmother and other stuff you know, later in the day. Well, one of the first things you said there, different things at different times. And I, and I think that's a really, um, it's an insight of encouragement to anybody that's listening. I, I think sometimes it's, especially with this, I love that you've started here on identity. I think it's a great place for us to start. Um, you know, because the, the thing with identity, sometimes people want it to be so black and white to where mm. it's just, this is me. This is me and, and there is no other version of me. And it's like, well... There's, there's identities are deep they're very deep yeah. they, and they're multifaceted and and it's okay that they're that too because that actually incorporates some of our flaws and it's okay to have flaws you know all these yeah. all these sort of elements that when it comes to positioning yourself in life to become a business owner or to become a ceo as you are or to go down this path of writing a book and then to get to a point where you're saying to be able to introduce yourself as a CEO and introduce yourself as a writer. Like these, this is how our identity deepens and, and, and broadens over time. And I'm just curious as, as you speak about this with great clarity today, what was that journey like for you? And you've alluded to it a little bit here recently with the writing, but I'm more curious now with you as a CEO. When you, when you think of you the business woman that you are how did that evolution sort of come to where it is today where you're so able to sort of confidently present yourself in your in this form of identity if you will hmm, thanks um i think again it probably started out um <clears throat> we needed somebody to manage the company at first i was only peripherally involved it was kind of a hobby business and 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 here, here's first an encouragement to women who might be out there taking time to raise their children and not doing maybe much else or not 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 working outside the home or working outside the home part time or even putting their working full time but but really concentrating all of their energy on their children. That this was the decision that I made. I mean, I worked, but I mostly you know my life when my kids were little was my was my was my kids. And that was hard and boring. And I write about this in the book and, and didn't, I didn't get a lot of outside, you know, at a girl, Maria, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, it felt like the right thing to do, but it didn't, it didn't give me a lot of, it didn't fulfill a lot of my, my sort of needs for, for being told that I was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I reminded myself and I tell my kids this too, this is such a short duration. <laughs> This this period where your children are young, it's worth putting aside other things, and you have plenty of time to do you know everything that you want to do. So at anyway, at, at any rate, as the kids were growing, and and they need you less, they still need you, but they need you less. And my kids still need me in their thirties, but they need you less. Yeah. And um, and and uh, and and but I, and so I had this time, and I was we had had this sort of what we called a hobby business, and it was becoming more serious. The, the bikes were selling pretty good, and 
we needed a leader. And I just said, I'm going to be leader. And, and, and Jim said, okay, you're the CEO, Jim, Jim my uh, husband, who, who is the financial backer. And I was like, ah, oh, CEO, that's chief executive. That doesn't sound like anything I have the skills for, but I, but I started just thinking of myself that way and, and acquired, am acquiring the skills. It's been 15 years still acquiring the skills to be a good and effective leader. And also, as you said, sort of in my identity, again, I read about this in the book. It's like, you know, what are your strengths? And and um, I am not like a authoritative top-down leader. I'm very much a collaborator mm-hmm. to a fault, you know, like where I'll like ask hundred people their opinions and then have you know, trouble <laughs> dithering over what the right thing to do is. Right. So, um, but, but I learned that, you know, that's, that is who I am in part. And I need to, to use those skills uh, in my leadership and not to feel embarrassed about, about the fact that I'm not, you know, maybe a classic CEO. And, you know, we, we talked about what we, we like in our business and we all like to eat. So we, you know, when we hire somebody, we make sure that they, they're kind of foodies too, because we're going to, we're going to enjoy some meals together. So anyway, just sort of the, I, I slowly, I took on the identity right away, right away in a verbal sense. I am the CEO and I would sign my name that way. And then I acquired the confidence through just, gaining skills over time. And I accepted my weaknesses and I, you know, continue to find them and try to accept them. Um, you know, and the, and the company is, is, it's, it's growing. It's not, it's not making us millionaires. So <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, when, you know, when we look back on this, will we say, what, you know, was that, was that a good, you know, having Maria as CEO, was that, was that a good decision? It certainly has been fun for me and I've learned a lot <laughs> and that's what we keep, when we talk about it, when my husband and I, who own the company, talk about it, we say, you know, it doesn't really matter because we're enjoying, we're learning. It's incorporated so many important things in our lives, like, you know, activity and cycling and bringing the joy of cycling to so many people. I mean, there's so many people who have written me emails thanking us for the product that we have created that allows them to ride fast and far with comfort. Yeah. And, and it's all about that lens, right? What lens mm-hmm. are you choosing to look at? results performance however you want to put exactly. it what lens are you choosing to look at that through and I, I, there's something about the the journey of your life as a ceo starting with a need right there was this true need for you to step in and do this thing but even in that moment where you can look at the title and be like that doesn't sound like me or you can look at the position and be like oh wow that's a lot to take on you were still able to say i'm going to step into this as who i am I'm not going to step into this as some book that I read in terms of, oh, this is what they say. This is the square box that the CEO <laughs> is supposed to be inserted into this square hole. Like that, that's not what yeah. you said. You said like, this is, this is our organization. This is our company. And right now they need a CEO and I've been called up to do that. And, and I have an opportunity to step into this as who I am, knowing that I have my strengths and even some of those strengths can evolve into weaknesses at times. And then I have yep. my weaknesses too. And I'm going to show up with all of that. And I'm going to learn as I go, knowing all of this about myself. And I, I think even just hearing you talk about the way you've measured the, the the success through that lens of people reaching out, people telling you like, hey, I, I get to not only ride these crazy distances that I get to do, but you've allowed me to do it with comfort. And yep. For them, maybe that was the final resistance that they needed to break through in order to actually take on 
these monumental tasks as, as, as you have taken on, which is that of riding across an entire continent, you know? And, and <laughs> so it's just being able to say like, hey, listen, this was, this was the determining factor. I, I knew I couldn't do this. And I remember reading that at the start of your book. It was like, there's no comfortable way to do this in a basic bike. You know, I, I'm going to need some form of comfort. And I know there's no pillow on earth that can make me comfortable on a normal shaped bike. So how do I do this? And I, I just think that part of the book and that part of your journey and, and even just hearing that that is actually a lens that you look through in terms of the success of the company is that people are just simply giving you that feedback. You allow me to do things with the comfort that allows me to simply do it. Were it not for yeah. the comfort, maybe I wouldn't be doing it. And I've had a customer say, you know, your product saved my life because I, I yeah. you know, I was, I was, I was discouraged. I couldn't, you know, do what I wanted to do and, and, and your product enabled me to do that. And so, yeah, that's very gratifying. And yeah, in the end, the reason, the reason why we're doing it, because it was, it was great for us. You know, we, we experienced joy. I like, you know, the book's called Do Tough. So <clears throat> doing hard things. I mean, I have always been since I was a very little girl, very persistent and very, I can remember a time when I was working on a piece of furniture back in the day, I guess it's kind of been revived now, but it used to be when I was a little girl, people were, were uh, stripping furniture and repainting them. And my parents were doing a lot of that. And they gave me a, a piece of furniture. I was interested and they gave me a piece of furniture to do that too. And so I spent hours and hours and hours, several hours each evening for many weeks stripping this piece of furniture and um, what was underneath it was not good, <laughs> you know? And so finally, you know, and I, but I was just determined to keep, you know, trying to to do something with what was, you know, really just not a, a quality thing. And uh, finally uh, my dad came to me and said, you know, we have watched you and we love your persistence and your determination, but, this is not worth it. This is a piece of junk. You know, let's, let's get rid of it and get you onto something better. So, so doing hard things and being uncomfortable and persisting through difficulty has always been part of my personality, but, but, but as an adult, like learning when, and as a child and throughout my life, learning when to apply those, you know, that natural sort of personality bent and what, what, makes me like when I'm in the middle of something hard, like when I was working on the piece for journal, when I was in Ram race across America, mm -hmm. like how was people say, you know, how were you able to keep going? And, you know, I've thought a lot about that. And I, and I think that my particular talent is, is not looking too far ahead, <laughs> being very short sighted, <laughs> which sounds, this sounds funny, but it's really not, not overwhelming myself with the big task, but just putting my head down and doing the very next thing, which is yeah. a huge theme in the book. Yes, it is. And and we're definitely going to get to that because I think you're uh, quite organically moving us towards the competitive side of you. And, you know, we've we've got a good feel now from the, the career trajectory and, and how you've gotten to where you are today. And But you're alluding to almost a really nice sort of um, collaboration, if you will, between the career and between the competitor here in the sense that you're acknowledging that you have this persistence to do difficult things. But life has taught you to know when, to know when to actually double down and keep on going and, and know like sometimes like, oh, this is a lost cause. Get out now before you lose, <laughs> you know, more weeks and more of your life. Of your yeah. life. Exactly, exactly. So like that's the CEO part of you talking while the competitor is certainly present at the same time. But I'm, I'm just curious now from a, 
almost like a Genesis story. Like where did you, and and I love that story that you provided in in relation to your parents, but now just from an adult perspective, you know, when did you, when did you maybe notice like, okay, I'm actually starting to get a grasp of, of this competitive self in the sense of, I now know that I will persist through difficulty, but I also know that I will do it in a more logical, maybe strategic way uh, at, at this, whatever juncture this maybe was in your life. Can you maybe figure out or pinpoint a time where you felt as though you were starting to maybe even master that quality? Oh, that's, I'm not sure I've mastered that, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I do, I, I do remember when I realized that as a, as an athlete competitor, mm. I, I, I had something that was going to help me a lot. Um, and I, I was doing a, it was early in my competitive days and I was doing ultra cycling, um, which is anything over a hundred miles. I, I can't remember if it was a 12 hour or 24 hour race, but I was the person amongst all the people who had the most miles, men and women. And, um, and I remember as during the event, it was like a loop or something that, that I would see people stop and rest. And, and I would think, you know, if you, if you just kept going, <laughs> you'd, so I guess I realized then that I, I had the ability to just keep going, you know, when things got uncomfortable, I, the self-talk that I have is yes, this hurts. Yes, this is uncomfortable, but the only way to, to finish is to just to keep moving and stopping isn't going to really help. And so I, then I, re- I realized that this persistence that I had in other areas of my life, um, was a really great asset in athletic events, especially in, in endurance events. But it's true even in non-endurance events because it, that kind of thing happens in your training. That's when you're like you're pushing yourself through a really dis- uncomfortable workout, and you're saying, "I could stop, you know, I could stop and relieve this pain, this burning in my thighs, or whatever, or I can just push through and add another." The expression is a penny in the jar. Add another little layer of fitness to, or, um, and it's not just physical fitness, but it's psychological fitness. So, and then you know, I, I've always had people around me who have said, you know, enough. Um, I've had, and it seems that I've had the right combination of people who've said, you can keep going, and people who've said, that's enough. You can, you know, you can stop with with honor now. You don't have yeah. to keep on after this this thing. So, um, I'm still, I am still learning the, you know, when to stop and, and aging has been really humbling. I turned 60 this year and, you know, your body just doesn't do what it did. You know, I think about even being 50, I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but there's a lot that goes on and, you know, I just can't make the power numbers. I can't do the things that I could do at 50, even with the best, you know, training and, and nutrition, so it's humbling and, um, and that's good. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> you know, it's good to, 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 to have limits, limits, limits are, are, um, there's something to make you feel safe and push up against, <laughs> but yeah. they keep you, you know, they keep you anyway. So no, I, 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 don't. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that there is a, there is a mastery component to everything that you're actually explaining here, in my opinion, you know, cause so many of our listeners, they're either, uh, they're either active, very fit individuals, or they're entrepreneurial. And, right. and I think so much of what you're talking about here, especially that latter that latter factor that the entrepreneur, there's so many opportunities on any given day for an entrepreneur to be 
so close to to some sort of breakthrough and for whatever reason to not keep going. And, yeah. and you know, I've only been a business owner for 18 months and I've, I've lost count of those of the amount of moments already <laughs> in just those 18 months where I've been at these crossroads where I've, I've detected, hey, you're onto something. There's something here. You just need to keep going right now. And it may be super yeah. slow. It may seem like this is the most steepest incline that you can possibly take on right now. But all you just need to do is keep going. And whatever, whether that's with creativity, whether that's with reaching out to people, whatever it is, there is this ability just to notice like you're onto something. And that support system, as you alluded to, can be very helpful with, with something like that. But at the same time, how do you mentally have the capacity to just look at yourself in the mirror or just sit there with yourself and meditate and pray on it and just think, I just need to keep going. I just need to keep going right now and focus on that penny in the jar mindset as you alluded to. Because like I said, that that isn't normal. That is something hmm. that the minority are able to do. And it hmm. is why people are able to do crazy feats such as ride across an entire continent on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is what allows people to do that. I, I would Any more thoughts on that? Because I would love to transition into the book right now. Yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> there is a phrase that came from my, my husband's side of the family. Um, and we, we, we thought it was some kind of a great philosopher that we didn't know who, who said it, but we'd all memorized it. And we learned later that it was just some kind of <laughs> an advertisement. But the, the phrase is, the horizon is littered with the bleached bones of those who with victory in sight stop to rest. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this wow. is this is this is likely just some you know some Fifth Avenue marketer, right. but it is such an evocative view. And so we you know we I, I memorized this long ago. Jim taught it to me, and I've used it you know in my mind so many times. The horizon is littered with the bleached bones of those who, with victory in sight, stop to rest. Mm. So I don't I try I try to think of that when I'm when I'm wanting to stop t to rest. I love that. I, I wrote down immediately 22 and a half minutes quote. Like, so that, that one's going to be copied and pasted. <laughs> it's not, it's certainly not mine. And I don't, I can't tell you where it's from, but yeah, it's been, it's been, that. it's been a helpful and kind of a, and because we know it's not somebody great who said that we always chuckle, you know, a little humor when we, when we say it, then we say it to each other all the time. I love that. I love that. What a wonderful way to, to transition now into the book, as you mentioned before, do tough and Sometimes I try to sort of explain people's books or their work on their behalf. And I don't want to do that right now because I, I will not do it justice. And, and so what I want to do is just give you the space in Maria just to really introduce the book to everybody listening and, and tell people what you think people need to know about it. Well, well thanks, Steve. I, I first want to say that the book exists. This, you know, there are some things that I take on, but usually the really great things that I take on, somebody else pushed me to do, <laughs> which is funny because listen to the people around you, people who love you will push you to greatness. Yeah. Um, and so this book exists because of um, mostly three people. One, my daughter, Genevieve, who always said, you got to write this book. This book is, you know, people need to hear what you have to say. Um, Kelly Palace, my sister-in-law, who also, you know, has been one of the great encourage encouragers in my life who said, you can do this, you should do this. And then you in our work together, because for me, it's very, doing, putting my head down and doing something quietly um, and, you know, just, just working really hard as, as natural, but, but creating something that I'm going to 
put out there in front of other people is is very frightening for me. Very frightening. You know, here I made this and I'm very susceptible to people's opinions. And I know, you know, I know that this is not literature. This is not scholarship. This is just what was in my head. This is my story. Mm-hmm. Um, is is terrifying. And 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 you gave me the courage to to make it happen in part. So thank you for that. Cool. So the book, yeah, the book came out about because um, well, the the story is the the, the story of, of me completing Race Across America in 2013. We're on 10 years, about 10 years ago this month, I was doing Race Across America in 2013. And um, at the same time, my sister had been diagnosed uh, with brain cancer, glioblastoma multiforme. And, um, and so in my frustration and just utter uh, anger and powerlessness that I experienced uh, with her diagnosis, um, I wanted to do something something physical and something hard and something just, you know, I, you know, I think some people put their fists through doors and walls when they get mad. And I mean, for me, that, that, that was race across America. I I knew it would be really hard and, you know, take tremendous uh, devotion work and money. And, and I just wanted to do it because I thought this was a, this was a platform, the biggest platform available to me as an ultra cyclist um, to raise money for brain cancer research. And that was the conclusion I'd come to that as my mother-in-law used to say, if a problem can be solved with money, it's not a problem. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this, it was clear to me that, that there wasn't enough money in brain cancer research still isn't. Yeah. And so this was a, you know, this was a goal to go out there and do this hard thing, kind of relieve my own physical itchiness and desire to just suffer mm-hmm. um, in the face of my sister's illness and my grief over it. Um and then to to try to raise money for for her, really, I, you know, I think in some magical part of my brain, I thought I could raise enough money that there'd be a treatment that would cure her and that she would right. live. That really, that's what I, that was my deep desire that I would grow old with her. She's my best friend and just an important part of my life. I address that more in the book. So, yeah, so, so the book, it tells the story of Jenny, my sister, and Race Across America kind of you know, in parallel. And also because I am who I am, it, it, it encourages, it tells, it tells, you know, kind of the things that I've learned about, about how to, how to, how to get through tough things. I I can say, I probably know more about how to do hard physical things than I do about how to survive (laughs) suffering. Cause I, as much as, you know, we've all suffered and I've suffered some, but I haven't suffered as much as many, many people I know, but I, mm-hmm. but I have observed, I've observed people and I've observed how they do, you know, and how people do well, um, you know, how they manage. So the book has a lot of that in it. I hope, I really hope it encourages anybody who reads it. Well, you know that I've read it and, and it certainly is encouraging and it's inspiring and it's motivating. And it, one thing I, I think is just really fitting is that when you think about I know this has been in in you for for a long time, and and it's taken you a long time to get it out out on paper to now being published. And just to be clear, when you go from writing stuff to actually putting it out there, you become an author. So it's time to get used to calling yourself an author. Trust me, I'm about <laughs> yeah. I'm about nine months into that, and I still haven't gotten used to it. So it, it takes time. It takes time. But the um, 
the the part I find just so beautiful is that we're at right at 10 years from when you took this on. And I, I think there's something about that. And I know you're a woman of faith as I am a man of faith. And, and so, you know, th- there's a timing element there that has to be recognized. You know, it, yeah. it, it honors it honors what you accomplished and what you did and the 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 sheer uh worthiness of the cause that came with that feat as well and is and the one thing i don't want to do is give away some of the i mean i i already knew a lot about you but i learned so much more about you too especially the process of of actually uh achieving what you achieved uh, I, I didn't realize the amount of adversities that came with it. Now, you may call me naive when you're talking about a 3,000-mile bike race, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, I, I think there's so much more in just that story alone with, before you even get to the way in which you tie in ways to pull these lessons that you took from it and then turn that into encouragement. And I think that is such a vital part of this that I'm glad that you alluded to because I certainly was going to is that this isn't just about simply highlighting, hey, things are tough and this is what toughness looks like. There's a solution component here too. And I think that's so important is that in many ways you were presented a problem in life and 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 those come in all different shapes and sizes and, and certainly the responses to those come in different shapes and sizes too. But what you've been able to do with your response is not only respond the way you responded physically, but you've now taken it one step further. And you've said there were lessons from that response that can now be turned into encouragement to just about anyone who's going through whatever adversity they might be going through within their life. And so I just want to give you that acknowledgement here on a public platform, first and foremost. I think you did that wonderfully. And secondly, I would also just love to ask you, from this encouragement standpoint, there's a teaching component to the book. And I'm just curious, the competitor that you are, you know, you, you, you've, you've chosen to write this book, but now there's this part of me that's like, okay, people are going to want to come and learn more about these teachings that you offer through this book. Do you feel as though that was a part of this that you're ready to maybe take on now? Is that there will be this sort of next step where people are going to say, I got the encouragement and now I'm curious for even more. Like, has that part even started to hit you in any way yet? Honestly, that never occurred to me. Oh, wow. Well, you're um, a teacher. I think it's important yeah, I to am. recognize I mean, that you're a teacher. Yeah. I, and I, that's how I interact with people I love. I, I, I hope that I listen and encourage. The book is more about speaking than listening. Um, and that's where some of my fears about putting it out there are because I know, I, I I know that that some people who are suffering and interestingly since I since I finished the book and be, before I published it, I've had four very good friends, very people very close to me, suffer from very serious illnesses, mm. and I've given them the book, but I've thought, you know, this this book doesn't touch what you're going through. You know, twelve weeks of horrible chemotherapy and bone marrow transplants and, you know, and everything. So I, you know, I, I hope, yeah. And to answer your question, you know, if, if there's a need out there and and if I can help fill, um, the need for more encouragement, um, you know, uh, then I'm, I'm certainly available to do it. And, but it hadn't been something that, that I, I'd really honestly thought about. I was just, really worried that that this would would 
cheapen some people's suffering. That was kind of my, that's my, my gravest concern about the book is that they'll read and go, this doesn't help me at all. This shit doesn't understand anything about, about my pain. Mm. Yeah. And what the, the, the part of anything like this again is you put yourself out there and you know, there may be people that respond that way, sadly, yeah. but f- yeah. the, the, the advocate for human growth that I am, yeah. um reads a book like this and just says okay listen life is going to kick you at some point and it, and it yes. may kick you super hard and and it will hurt um but there's almost a way to rationalize it too and i and i think that is what you did very well with the book is that you're actually able to simplify some of the chaos that comes with these really difficult times because it does like, as you alluded to when you first found out about your sister it was just like energy all over the place you bought you just wanted to jump out of your skin and you didn't know what to do and, and that's the chaos that i'm talking about and yeah. what you're able to do here with this book is you're actually able to just say i see the chaos and i'm going to try to just pull it in here i'm going to try to simplify it i'm going to try to make it seem like it's something that you can digest let's say yeah and yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's that's wonderful that you were able to do that first and foremost. But I'm curious now, just as I as I allude to that sort of thought, how are you maybe still using all of this insight that you provide in your book? How are you actually still using this to this day? Because I know, like you said, you were hoping to to live a long life with your sister. You were hoping that this would cure all sorts of things. And, and here you are now in this day. I'm just curious how you still maybe even rely on the very uh, you know resource that is your book yourself. Yeah, well, yeah. When I read my book, I'm reading it out loud now for um, Audible publication, and I'm like, "Wow, I, I need to, I need to remember that," because <laughs> there's some good stuff thing that I made up. It's, it's, it's all ancient wisdom. A lot of it is, is, um, you know, and a lot of it is from God. You know, it's, it's just basic stuff. But, um, but yeah, you have to be reminded of it when you're in a hard place. Uh, in fact, I, I just called a friend yesterday for encouragement. And she basically quoted the book back to me. <laughs> so that that's that's one thing that I've gotten better at is reaching out for help. I mean, that's that's one of the chapters in the book. I think we can get so caught up in pain that we forget, or we're not even able to reach out uh, for help. And there's so much help to be had out there. You know, we 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 carry. You know, as you know, when my sister was diagnosed, uh, I was just. I was just beside myself. I, mm-hmm. and, and, and then the rest of it was, I mean, when she died, of course it was, it was awful, but it was a progression, um, you know, of dealing, of dealing with it and watching her die slowly, really. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so, but I, what, what I've, what I've gotten better at and what's in the book is, you know, when, when you're the first thing to do, probably when you're, when you're, when you've, when you're choosing to do something hard, we, we talk about in the book, um, it's not an original concept to me, but this chosen versus unchosen suffering. When you're choosing to do something hard or something bad happens to you, and often bad things happen to you very suddenly, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't know what to do. And the first thing to do is just to cry out for help, you know, mm-hmm. for help from, from God, for help from, you know, your neighbors. Sometimes, sometimes you, you can't even, you know, all you can do is just, Yell help before you go under the water, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's a really important thing. I would encourage anybody who might be listening to this, who's who's struggling, who's hurting in any way, who's suffering, um, to reach out because we are made to help each other. We're made we're made to help each other. 
Yeah, no, I I love that sentiment, and it's been shared on the show a number of times. And I think um, the part that's always frustrated me still to this day is the the fact that that is still considered a sign of weakness. Is that, yeah. that asking for help is some sort of sign of weakness? And you know, I I I actually I couldn't disagree more in the sense that I think it's one of the bravest things to do. I do. I think it's one of the bravest things a person can do is just is approach someone and say, listen, I, I've been holding on to this thing or I've got this burden and I would love to actually see if you would be open to sharing this burden with me um, or at least yeah. supporting me in the carrying of this burden. And I think that's something that, you know, can never be said enough. And if you are someone that is, uh, to your point, Maria, if, if you are someone that feels the need to get help, um, have that courage. Have that courage to go ahead and ask. Um, it, it does it, take courage. It does. Um, well, as you know, I could talk to you all day. And <laughs> I, I think one thing I, I from, from time to time on the show, I love asking this particular question. And so I'm going to ask it to you because knowing the competitor that you are, I, I think just with the, the sort of diversity that we've gone with today, there could be a variety of answers to this question. So it's why I want to ask it um, is when you put your head on a pillow at night, how do you look back on your day and say, today today was a win? Today was a win. How do you actually put a day in the win column? How are you measuring your days, the competitor within you? How do you satisfy that competitor come the end of the day? Mm. That's a great question. I, I um, As you mentioned earlier, I'm a person of faith. So when I hit the pillow at night, I talk to God. And um, I think one of the Again, I mentioned this in the book, one of the best things we can do is look for what I call grace. Look for look for anything that's funny or sweet or positive. Um and and this is especially true when things when times are hard, but you know, when times are good too. So I I think when I hit the pillow at night, I I ask God to help me see what was good about this day and what was you know, what were the moments of grace, you know, that I was sometimes you can get very blind to the good things, depending mm. on your mood or whatever. Um, and it's helpful to, to, to really look for those, you know, I guess people keep a gratitude journal. I guess that's, that's the, kind of the same concept as like, you know, but sometimes it's not just gratitude. Sometimes it's just funny. Like mm. I, I often think well, what was silly or what was, what was an amazing coincidence about today? Mm. Um, you know, and then I try to surrender all of the things that didn't seem to go well, you know, that were problematic. Um, yeah, that's how I end my days. Yeah, in, in seeing the good and also seeing the problems, but in both right. cases, finding ways to find grace um, in, yeah. in both of those two. That's wonderful. I'm actually cooking up this whole philosophy on the, what I'm going to slowly call the the being a parent at Disney method, um, which is something that I've experienced now a few times where you spend about 98% of the day screaming and running around. <laughs> and then there's these 2% moments in the day where you just like, can't wait to do this again tomorrow, you know? And and so I'm hearing a lot of that in what you're saying here is that there's that ability to just to sort of say, you know what, there was, I need to see the good. I need to find the good in this day. And, and if there was any stuff where I maybe got in my own way, I need to find the grace that is required to almost uh, to, to, to come past that, come through that so I can start fresh, so to speak, tomorrow. Yeah. Life is a tapestry and it's the black threads that make the yellows and blues and greens look good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. On that note, 
wonderful way to to bring this interview to a close. But before I let you go, Maria, I want you to provide everyone any piece of information that they could possibly need to access you, to access the book, et cetera, et cetera. So far away. Oh, great. Thanks. Uh, well, you can find out about the book uh, by going to Amazon and, and searching Do Tough Maria Parker. You can find more easily, you can go to mariapparker.com and that'll t- tell you all about me and the book and t- and take you to the book. Um, and then if you're interested in in uh, brain cancer research, go to 3000mile2acure.com. We're continuing to work to raise money for brain cancer research. And if you want to ride a bike in comfort, go to cruisebike.com and, and read about our amazing bikes. Yeah. I mean, I would consider it down in Louisiana, but there's no such thing as com- comfortable cycling in June. In, 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 it doesn't matter how recumbent that bike gets. When it's 98 degrees outside and humid, there is no such thing as a comfortable ride. <laughs> That's but, true. You, uh, you got the win- You got the winter times, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, Maria, thank you so much. We didn't even get on Champions Mojo. And you know right. what? It's okay because Kelly's been on before and we talked a whole <laughs> bunch about it then. And so if Kelly, if you're listening, I'm sorry we didn't give Champions Mojo <laughs> oh, yeah. the, uh, the, the shout out that it deserves but if you do need another podcast in your cycle please go check out champions mojo as well maria such a pleasure i've been looking forward to this so much and i'm going to say to you now publicly what i said to you privately before we got started i am proud of you i'm so excited for you and i wish you so so well on this journey not just as a ceo but now as an author as well (laughs) thanks so much steve Thanks again for listening to this episode of Career Competitor. And before you leave, be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com or just head to the website careercompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.